This is the Horse Radio Network. Hey there, this is Shauna Karish here, and this is Lesson 23 of Equine Clicker 101, podcast on the Horse Radio Network. This one is called Getting your, Teaching Your Horse to Balance Using the Reversed Round Pen. Equine Clicker 101 is the podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Jeffers Equine and Pet and Cavalier Feed. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, we are going to learn how to use the reverse round pen, which we discussed in the last uh, classroom, which was the last lesson was lesson 22. And we're going to learn how to use the reverse round pen to help teach your horse to work and balance more effectively. We're going to kind of focus a little bit on biomechanics to a degree is a great place for using it, but how do we use it to help get different, the different gates and how do we use it to get these, the cues on, on stimulus control. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the different elements of using the reverse round pen to prepare for under saddle work and more movement that will come later on. So that is what we're going to talk about. And it is I, th I think it's great. So if you don't know how to use the reverse round pen or what a reverse round pen is, remember to go to lesson 22 to get yourself oriented. One of the things that people ask quite a bit is why, why would we use it? What's different about it? Why is this better? Well, one of the things that's great about it is the reverse round pen means you're on the inside and the horse is on the outside. So what makes this different, I think, is that they have a choice. I mean, they can come and go and run and play and buck. When they come up and they show up and are ready to work with us, it says a lot about their attitude and their focusing on the training. So it's an excellent tool. We got started with the just basic leading and we're going to move up into like I said more more exercise more duration and and getting more movement so that's what we're going to do all right another thing people ask me about all the time is where do I find clickers or side buckets or targets or all the pieces that make up this this positive reinforcement training program and you can go to our website my website it is on dash target dash training.com so it's on target training with hyphens in between and if you go there you can learn more about me you can figure out where to buy stuff or what stuff you might need and then you can also go to terra nova training center if you just want to learn more about me and what i'm about so that's kind of all all together there a little bit the other thing, if or all your other horse needs, where you should go is you should go to Jeffers Equine and Pet. They have stuff not only for your horses, all the horse stuff for your horse, your rider for feeding your horse, for riding your horse, but also they have stuff for a lot of your pets and even large animals. So go to Jeffers Pet and let's learn a little bit more about them. Jeffers Equine provides quality horse supplies at affordable prices. Located in Dothan, Alabama, Jeffers combines the best of both worlds. As a family-owned tack and supply company, you get the kind of customer service only a small business can offer. Yet, with Jeffers' combined buying power of pet, livestock, and equine e-commerce sites, you get a wide variety of products at reasonable prices. 
So when you need tack or supplies for your horse life, from draft to mini or casual trail to competitive sport, www.jeffersequine.com has you covered. Alrighty now. So just a reminder, if you haven't listened to episode 22, it's really, or less than 22 really, it's important that you do because that's going to give you the foundation and talk to you about how do you build a reverse round pen. They're easy to make. You can make them out of simple things. You can make all different sorts of ways of using it. We're going to focus on, and I, we talked about, you can use it for a protected contact situation, which can be really important sometimes for you, sometimes for your horse, horse with too much uh, pep in his step. <laughs> sometimes I want to know that they can go run off and play and I'm not going to be the target, but sometimes it actually helps your horse to feel safer too. So sometimes with a horse has a different history, sometimes they may be a little worried about the work situation or, or even humans being close. So all of that go to, to lesson 22 and that will help you to get started. Then you come back here and we'll, we'll show you where to go from here. Now, one of the things that I think is so important about the reverse round pen, this is the introduction to really starting to work and build balance. I want the horse to first learn how to go around the reverse round pen, which we started with the simple exercises of basically liberty leading. So the horse gets the idea of still matching your step, walking with you, stopping with you, with you on the inside. But now we want to step it up a little bit. We want to be able to go up to the trots more, more readily. We want to be able to go up to the canter. And this is a way we can start really reinforcing and utilizing our verbal cue. But in addition to that, to the verbal cue, which we're going to be introducing at the higher gates, it also is really big about uh, or really good for reinforcing and solidifying paying attention to our bodies and what our bodies are doing. So the horses start paying attention to the little nuances that we do. So if I just lean a little bit forward, they start to think, I think we're going forward. And then if I slow down a bit and walk slow, they walk with little slow stubby steps, or then they can walk with big extended steps and then they can trot and then they can. So all those pieces are really nice because it does start to incorporate what we will be incorporating under saddle, which is cues coming from me as a person. I want them to be listening and watching to what is my human doing? What movements is she doing? How can I match her movements? And that really does tend to help quite a bit. So we use things that kind of can go with what they naturally do. But the other piece we're going to do is in the beginning, we started with ourselves right along the side of the reverse round pen. We are right beside them. So it's really easy to take that Liberty leading, which let me just take a look here. Liberty leading is also one that that was lesson two. And that might be something you want to review too. If you, if you didn't get to lesson 22, lesson two will kind of remind you about the Liberty leading, but now in lesson 22, we take it to the reverse round pen. But as we move forward now, we've, we've kind of from walking and trotting with us, with the rebound, round pen between us, to starting to fade ourselves to the center. You're probably in pretty good shape by now if you got up to the trots and you're sticking on that reverse round pen. Because as we talked about trying to make it a 20-meter circle for your horses, it, it is you'll find yourself being a little exhausted, you know, especially if you have a big strided horse and you're trying to keep up with them. So as we can start to fade ourselves into the center, it becomes a more valuable tool. Getting ourselves to our, our strides, if we have a big strided horse, a large horse, or just, you know, sometimes you have a smaller horse that even is big strided. We can't match their stride. We're too 
our legs are too short and we're going to slow them down. So as we want them to move the best they can and as most balanced as they can and the most comfortable as they can, we need to fade ourselves out of the picture. We can match our strides a little easier with us in the center because the fulcrum makes the circle bigger. So our strides are easier to match when we're in a smaller circle. So they can still by now, uh, by still be able to focus on us, which is hopefully something that's good by now. It's something we've, we've strengthened through our last, or last lesson. And so now as they're learned to focus on us and realizing the cues come to us, they've made choices to work with us on this circle. Now we can start to kind of fade ourselves to the center and shifting to using verbal cues in addition, and even hand cues in addition to utilizing the, you know, our walking and matching our gait. So it's an important part as we move into canter, we could definitely can't canter at their pace. So it is wanting them to get stronger and better for this. Now, depending on how much a really important element, and this is why we want the big circle is keeping in mind that a small teeny tiny circle is really not good for encor- for encouraging proper balance. So it's too tight. A horse in a small circle, they can't really keep their balance adequately. And you can find a lot of resistance or a lot of head flipping and running off. You know, not the playful kind, but the kind of, I can't really do this. This is too challenging. So having the big circle is really important them to be able to move in a balanced way. We also don't want them leaning in and running around like you're riding a motorcycle. So we want them to be able, like it's a big velodrome, we want them to be able to keep the balance. The bigger circle will help that. But I'm also going to tell you during the process of doing the trotting, we're going to start to see them gaining balance. You're going to see a horse who can go into the trot easier without kind of raising their head. You'll see them easily be able to use their hind end more and bounce on up into a, a nice trot. And so the balance and the strength and the muscles that are needed to create that will continue to be developed through this process. So this is another piece that it makes it such an important tool is we really can work on the balance as well as the strength that we have in helping them to get stronger on doing the reverse round pen. So we're preparing them for under saddle issues or then even not under saddle issues, but under saddle lessons. And then we're also preparing them for uh, the under saddle lessons, but lunging might be another thing you want to get to. If we can get them to learn how to balance, to be bent, looking at us and focused on us yet moving forward. And we start selectively bridging when they kind of lift their back a little bit, get their hind under a little bit, drop their head a little bit to start to create a horse who's developing more strength and more balance. And you're going to notice the trot gets easier for them to do as well as, and we're preparing them to get the muscles ready for being able to do the canter. Doing a canter on a really small circle is really, really challenging for the horses. And it's not If it's not biomechanically sound, we're actually setting them up. If they're not learning to have balance on their own, then we kind of tend to be setting them up for the potential for more injuries as well. So there's, there's a really kind of sensible side behind it. If you do want to, I've said this before, if you do want to learn more about doing biomechanics stuff or just biomechanics about your horse, I think it's a really good person to look to is he's actually a good friend of mine and his name is Gerd Hushman and that is G E R D 
And, he, and the second word is H-E-U-S-C-H-M-A-N-N. And he's from Germany and he's a vet. Now he started as, you know, one of kind of a young Yahoo writer, you know, as a lot of people do. But through the time and being a veterinarian and a writer, because I think it's an important combination, he's really paid attention to the biomechanics and how can we help horses become more balanced to help them go more. So he to to go longer, to go in a more balanced way. And I'll tell you, in all honesty, there's a lot of horses, even at Olympic levels, that judges will reward with even medals when the, the mechanically what they're doing is imbalanced. It's going to set them up for breaking down. And then a lot of them actually do. So really trying to understand about that balance so you can make decisions, better decisions for your horse and what you're going to do is really important part of of taking your horse to under saddle and creating that longevity. And, and to me, I think it's really, it really is a welfare issue because we want them to be comfortable and going as best they can. We don't, we, and it takes an awareness to understand maybe some of the things that we're doing that might be, might be working against that. So that's just a little sideline, but I think it is something that you can really, it's going to be much better to learn it from Garrett, who is a veterinarian and writer who is focused on these biomechanics. So he has some great books out there. So as we talk about uh, what we want for our horses, what does our horse go like? What do we need? I think in my mind, what I think about is I want a horse who one can go nice and level, can be upright, but can go with a nice bend. And that doesn't mean a sharp head in. It doesn't mean a sharp, it's a nice gentle bend like you would have on a 20 meter circle. It's not too sharp. It's not, it's just a nice balanced, good bend. And I think that's important that we can have that focus on us, whether we're in the middle or we're on top of them, but also that they can go in a way that they can support themselves with that nice bend. And it helps them to be able to get ready for corners and things and making nice bounce corners. The other things I look for, I tend to work with a lot of thoroughbreds, but this is, can be very common in a lot of horses. A lot of horses, as they go and they're young, they may go when they start working or getting excited, they may go with their head up a bit. And for my d place, what I have found in watching the horses go, if they get their head down a bit, after a bit, they tend to raise their back up. And when they raise their back up, they tend to bring their hind end underneath. So all those pieces kind of all go together. But depending on that, sometimes the very first piece I look for is saying, I want you to go with your head down a little bit, not not ridiculously down on the ground, because that's that's what I need better. That's just going to throw them all heavy on the front end. But I want them to kind of go down a little bit. So they're rounding themselves. So they're starting to use their back. And that's what this begins to do. They start using that top back muscle. And as they do that, that starts to tends to raise. As that raises, it tends to bring the hind end underneath. So I'm looking for that whole picture, but I'm going to work on one little piece at a time until I can help teach my horse to go in a in a stronger and better way, where he can again developing muscles to be more balanced. If we keep our horses going, and this can happen on a lunge line rather quickly, if we keep our horses going on a lunge line and they're leaning heavy on the lunge line, this is something I experienced not that long ago, and they, they can get themselves out of balance. And so instead, taking the stuff off says it's up to you to figure this out. And then it's up to us to know what we want to look for and then to bridge or click on those specific pieces until we shape it into a horse who is developing 
proper muscles and not resistance and fighting, but instead he's learning to get more comfortable. And what I found is a lot of times once we help them get to that place, you'll find they tend to move like that more often on their own too, just on their own because it is in their free time because I think it is more comfortable for them as they kind of figure that out a bit. So that's a little bit what I'm going to be looking for in these pieces or something to keep in mind that you might want to shape to towards the end of your process. But for today, what we're going to work at, we're going to work on fading ourselves a little bit further away from the center. So what I'm going to do, what we're going to start doing is think about what you want to use as a cue. For me, I'm going to use, I use verbal cues. I use Ho, you know, which is to stop. I use uh, walk on. I use trot, canter, and then ho. So those are the things I work on and those are the verbals I use. But now I'm going to start making them very discernible and I'm going to make sure they come right before the next cues, which can then be really what my body is doing so that I can prepare them and have them start thinking like, oh, there's that word. I know what comes next is I walk. So we start to give value to that. And again, the reason for this for me is this prepares them really for under saddle. So when we are under saddle. I have a cue that I could use to help uh, cue them to do things. We can still use the target with that, but with the verbal cue and the target, we're giving them extra help maximize. Remember, clarity oftentimes brings relaxation and we definitely want relaxation and minimize frustration, especially when we get to the under saddle portion. So we... In the situation, we're going to, those are the cues I'm going to use as my verbal cues. So you can choose, you could have different cues. You could, you know, you could have them in a different language. You could have them sound different. You could have them, that's up to you. So you kind of fill in the blanks when I use my cues of what you want your cues to be. Um, And then the other thing I'm going to really do is I introduce a hand cue at this point. Now, the point of my hand cue is I want to, and I think this is really important, I want to prepare my horses for life in the real world. Now, I think my horse is going to be with me forever. I will be looking after them. I will be protecting them from harsh things that happen in the world. But the truth of the matter is you never know. We could have to evacuate and there I get handled by some other people because it's a big, you know, emergency situation. I could, something could happen to me and I don't handle them anymore. Now I'm fortunate. I have a lot of people around me that could, but not everybody does, or maybe, you know, they get lost in the pipeline regardless, or a vet comes along and the vet wants to have my horse go on the lunge line and I'm not there and they pick up a lunge whip. So my point is I want the raised hand to be quite familiar because I want it to feel like the lunge whip will feel. So if a vet goes to them and raises their hand, they don't see it as a threat and they have a lunge whip in it. They don't see it as a threat. Instead, they just see it as a nice long hand. <laughs> so I will prepare them for using switching my arm to the lunge whip when I feel like they have the When they have this solid, they show me they get it. They show me they understand it. They show me they like it and they're choosing to do it. I can then move and they know my verbals and can go at the different gates. I can then go to using a lunge whip in my hand. Now, by now, though, they already know it. So as I raise my hand and use my verbal, they should be able to go, yeah, I know what that is. And they go right along with me. So I start by raising my hand so they can see that they can 
understand what that might look like. So when it gets longer, it's not a threat. So I'm going to train, I want to teach them for all the pieces of the real world that they may encounter, but I want to back it up. I want to be sure it's taught. The impetus behind the behavior is taught with positive reinforcement. And that helps me to ensure that if they see that, they don't panic. They just go, oh, yeah, I know what to do with that. So they see it as a cue versus something that is seen as an aversive that can actually be scary for a lot of horses. So that's where, that's what my hand cue is going to be, is kind of reaching towards their reaching out kind of at their barrel kind of hip area a little bit. So I don't want too far behind it because I don't want it to really feel too drivey. I just want it to be a move on. And so I want to kind of more like where my leg would be, where the lunge whip might be. So that's what my verbal cues are going to be. That's what my hand cue is going to be. And my body is going to be doing the same thing it always has. Now, the piece that I'm going to add in today that I haven't added in is the canter because I can't canter on the edge of that circle and keep up with them in any way, shape, or form. So if I come into the circle a little bit and I start to canter myself, so basically I pick up a lead <laughs> and I canter, a lot of times as they learn at this point, have already learned to match my energy, there's a real tendency for them to pick up the canter and go with us. So it is an extension, this is kind of like more homework from last week. We're just going, we're taking it a step further. These aren't brand new concepts, but there's just some new tools that we're going to implement that can help us to get to the next place. And then um, the other thing is the uh, putting the canter in, going to the canter, fading myself to the center. Mm, I guess that's all I was really, I felt like I had a train of thought and I'm, I just lost it there. But anyway, so that is what we're going to do. And one of the things you can do, I remember, one of the things you want to think about, if you think I want to go and my horse is kind of slow and sluggy and not really prone to much movement, yet you've worked on it through the, you know, the little exercises we talked about walking really slow, then walking bigger and things you can do to keep bridging the upward transitions and the movement and the upward transitions and the movement. Likewise for uh, horses to quick and bright, you're going to work on the downward transitions and the slowing and the stopping. But the, but so let's say we're going to try to work on canter transitions or we're going to do more trotting uh, because now it's time to build up the duration on this. You may want to, for that slow horse, be sure they have a little extra energy. You know, don't do this after you've just ridden or after they just had a pretty hard play session. Instead, do it before it. So you're maximizing and utilizing all of their energy to help get the right answer, to make it easier, to make it more fun, to make it really less aversive. You know, so it was utilizing that and being aware of your horse and how you can set them up for success is really an important component. Now, if you have a horse who tends to be wild, you know, start slow and do a little repetition to get, let their energy out in a mild way before you would go to something like the canter. But typically for the goey horse, it is easier to build duration and it is easier to get trot and even a canter transition. So think about the horse you have with you or about to have with you today and what can you do to help that horse to be the best you can now going to the canter for some horses don't even ask for the canter until your horse brightly pops into the trot so if this has been a little bit of a process for you don't even ask for the canter you're probably not going to get it 
Um, wait till, you know, you feel like they're brightly going into the trot. They go brightly and happily. Upward transitions are not a challenge. So I think that's an important part. And keep in mind that we can have the resistance at the canter when it is still 20 meters isn't the biggest circle ever. So it still can be kind of challenging for some horses to canter. It is, frankly, challenging for horses to canter even on that. So getting, developing some muscles and some duration in the trot can be a better way for preparing them for canter work. So keep that in mind and that will be something we can graduate to. Another thing um, to keep in mind is be sure you go both directions. You don't want to get we are building, you're going to deter, you're going to see, you're going to discover, you're going to determine, maybe you already know, that your horse has one side that tends to be easier for them than the other. You know, they their transition is smoother and easier, or they they go more calm and relaxed, but not slow, or they're sluggy, or different things are going to tell you that one side tends to be the easier side than the other. It's very natural for horses like people to kind of be one-sided. So continue to work that other side till you feel like there isn't a discernment from one side to the other, that they tend to be stronger in both sides. Because if we continue to stick with the side that's easier, what are we continuing to do? We're building up the strong side, which is already their strong side. So we want to be able to build up the other side, which might not be their strong side. So that's another thing to keep in mind as you go and as you try to gauge your progress of where you should be going. Okay, so I think we that probably wraps it up about now for this little part. So what we're going to do, we're going to prepare for the lab time. So what I want you to do is I want you to get your round pen set up if it isn't already, uh, your reverse round pen, since it's reversed. And I want you to get your horse, get him in a good place, get your, get your feed, get your treats, get your bucket, get your all the things you might need. And go ahead and turn this off now. Get your little pieces in place. And then we're going to meet at the lab. So when you're ready, ready to go, I want you to turn your podcast back on and we will carry on. All righty. Hopefully you're all set up and you're ready to go. Now, I because you've already done lesson 22, we know that our horse knows what the round pen is. I'm here today with Pete. I'm going to go ahead and walk us over. Okay, before I even get into the round pen, I'm going to stop and have him turn his head away. So he, not turn his head away, but straighten his head out really is what it he, where he is by now. So he kind of knows we have this little piece in place and I remind him and that's great. And I clicked and reinforced him for that. Now I'm going to step in and we're just going to start with our general walking. Now, my goal is to get me further from him in this session and a little bit more duration in this session. But what I'm going to, so my big goals are trying to introduce my new cues with me kind of fading more towards the center. So that's my goal while I have other goals on top of this, for now, this is my goal with him. But I'm going to start to get him thinking what we're doing and reminding him what we're doing by just starting Liberty Leading on the edge with him. So we're going to kind of just start and we're going to walk a bit. And and Petey, I'll just talk while we're walking. Good, good boy. Okay, click to reinforce him just to kind of know we're on the right track. One of the things about Petey, Pete is a little bit of a slow horse. 
Why I prefer working with the goey horses, I chose Pete because he kind of has the other issue. Working with a really goey horse isn't so problematic because they go and go and go and you're really working on the downward transitions. But I find the bigger challenge in this part, So, and then we're shaping what we want to see them doing. But I think for a lot of horses, the harder part sometimes for these horses is the horses who don't like to go, that aren't as goey, who can be a little more stuck, who can be, you know, a little more, eh, I don't want to. And that's Pete. So that's why I picked Pete today, as well as he doesn't know it. Murray knows it, flies around. He's great. Pete, not so much. Okay. So now, We've walked a couple times and even in the midst of me talking, I clicked and reinforced him for walking with me. And, and then I went from my normal steps to baby, those little super slow steps, which are quite hard for the horses. And then I went back to my really big step and that gave Pete again, a little bit of break from the hard part while I've reinforced those little stubby steps a lot. This time I reinforced the the moving past it. So when I took a big step and he went, Oh, thank goodness. And he stretched his front hoof out. I said, that's exactly what I want. So I want him to think going a little bit. I'm going to kind of be working a little more at the trot today is my goal. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask him to trot. So I'm going to trot myself. So Good. And clicked and reinforce him to let him know that we're doing good and he's doing great. Now, on this next one, I feel like he's really with me and paying attention. I have him indoors in the indoor arena, which has fewer distractions than the outdoor arena. So kind of setting myself up for success that way. But what I'm going to do now is I'm going to start the walking and I'm going to start fading towards the center. Now, I'm not going to go, he's not ready for me to be standing in the center and moving around. He doesn't know that much. But I am going to fade in about six feet, I'd say. So I'm going to start walking. And we're going to, and he's good. And I didn't say walk on, and I should have. But there you go. That's what we do. So he's walking. And now click him and I'm reinforcing him. So I faded myself to the center. I didn't use my verbal cue and that's just me. I just forgot to be honest with you, but I did think about raising my arm up for a second. He had a hesitation before I walked on, I raised my arm and then I walked on and I could see him kind of look at my arm. And then as my feet started moving, he just started walking. So that was really good. And I could have said walk on, but I was busy chatting and forgot. So I'm going to try to be a little bit more focused on that this time. But as I faded myself to the center, and I'm giving him a couple good handfuls for that, as I fade myself to the center, he kept going. So I continued to walk in a circle. It was just a smaller circle. I kept eye contact with him and I kept my shoulder to him. So when I want him to stop or slow down, I'm going to square up towards him. So my shoulder's will be, I kind of close that angle with it. So as we're going together, we're kind of walking towards the same direction. And when it's, but because my arm's back a little bit, my body's a little bit open, but we're, and my eyes are on him because I'm watching him, which does create a little more, uh, I got to, I got to be able to move comfortably too. My biomechanics are important. <laughs> so as I have an eye on, but when I want him to stop, I'm going to say, ho, and I'm going, to, I'm going to face him. I'm going to square up and stop leading forward. And my arm will drop down so that he starts getting the idea that that is my cue in, in addition to saying ho. Now, that last time, 
I clicked and I ran out to feed him. Now, one of the things he did for me that I want you to be aware of and something to think about, I ideally, for me, you can have him do whatever you want. I want the horse to stay in the circle. I don't want the horse to turn and face me. I want them, their head can look at me, but I'd like them to preferably keep their bodies on that circle. I want them just stay there. And so I click and run out and to feed him. Now, if he turns to face me, instead of making a big deal about it, all I do is take a step forward so that he has to straighten out in order to take the food. So it becomes something that pretty soon, and I know this from experience, they'll start to anticipate. So they start to anticipate that you're going to be feeding forward, they start just stopping straight and staying straight because they're going to end up having to feed out there. And in fact, I will feed them a little bit on the outside, you know, so I reach my hand under their head just a little bit. So in order to get the food, they actually put their weight on that inside leg, which makes sure it keeps their body a little bit more leaning towards the inside. I hope that makes sense to you. So that is probably something you will encounter. I find most horses do that. Um, and that's, that's no problem. They'll sort that out in a bit. That's not really something we're going to dwell on, but if we remember to feed forward, we'll kind of be addressing that issue along the way. Okay. So that was a little chatting time. So Petey, you good. Now I'm going to start from Pete, not, not right, right against the rail. Like we have, I'm going to be in about four feet. So instead of being like two or three feet, I'm going to be in an extra couple feet so that I am a little further in, but I still have eye contact. He knows I'm with him and I am going to ask him to walk on again, but with my cue this time. Okay. Ready? Pete, walk on. Okay. And I'm clicking right away. I click that one right away. And that's because he just moved right away. So I said, walk on and then hand came together then my feet started moving, but he didn't kind of take that pause and look at my hand. And as my feet started moving, he moved. So I want him to just think about the cue just a little bit there. So that early bridge, we call it because I bridged it early in the, the, the behavior there. I could have had the behavior go on a bit, but I bridged it early to let him know that he's on the right track. And I, those early bridges are actually really, really good for motivation. Again, a horse like Pete, who maybe doesn't always feel like going is the funnest thing. He went brightly with me because so I could say, that's good. That's what I like. I like that you're listening. You saw my cues. We moved on and that was great. So that was good. I'm going to give him another handful here. Okay. And he's chewing. And again, I'm kind of off a little bit. So I'm a little more towards the center. And I'm going to, so about the same as I was last time. I just want to have a little bit more duration for this one. So ready, walk on. Now we're walking and he's doing great. And I'm kind of sidestepping in just a little bit. So I'm drifting from him a little bit more. Still have eye contact. My body placement still is the same place with him. Good. And I'm going to click that and I'm going to feed that. So I went, I'm going to trot right over there, good boy, and I'm feeding right up here. And he's one that he, he tends in a little bit, not as much as some though. He kind of is a little lazier. So I think he has a tendency to think I'll just stay here. So I'm feeding him up there. Now, if you have, keep in mind, 
PD is a little more slow and a little prone to less movement rather than more. So what I'm looking for him to do is to have more bridges are coming for his upward transitions and movement versus his downward transitions and quieting. If you have a horse who is very bright and rather goy, keep your pretty heavy influence on the downward transitions and the slowing because that's an important part for them is you want to be sure you have that. Now, I also need to, PD can get a little tense in his, his folk and wanting to do stuff. He kind of thinks I should do something. I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to do something. So I do make sure that I have times that I ask him to slow down, but with the slowing, I'm actually looking for the softening a bit, you know, so he doesn't look like I'm slowing and looks tense. I actually look for his eyes to soften a little bit, his head carriage to get a little bit lower for him to soften in an emotional component into that downward transition. So I hope that makes sense. So just for posterity's sake, I'm gonna do that with Pete right now. I'm just gonna stand. I kind of soften my shoulders. This is what I find I do when I really wanna communicate. I just wanna stand shoulder to shoulder, nice and relaxed, is I have a tendency to take a deep breath and I kinda, I let my breath out. I guess I, yeah, I just let my breath out. I soften my shoulders. So everything says I'm not doing anything and make sure and then Pete was good with that. So I'm going to reinforce him for that. If I let this all go to a big activity, I can get Pete getting more and more tense. So I want to be sure these are little checks for Pete because he's a little more tense that I want to do to, we've worked hard to help him be more relaxed. And this, and this is, I need to kind of have those checks in there for his sake. Okay. So that was great. And so we're going to do this again. Now this time I'm going to look, I'm going to try to do, I'm going to fade myself. For, so my circle is like, 10, 12 feet wide is my circle that I'm on. So that means it's a pretty small circle, really. It's probably maybe 10 feet wide. As I look, I'm looking at the ground, trying to size up where I want to get to. Um, and so I want my, I'm going to see if we can't go in a little bit and if he can't keep the walking on. Now, this is going to be easier to do and then maintain at the walk because walking isn't so hard for Pete. He doesn't mind the walking. Trotting, he may take it as, it, I don't really know, so I'm just going to drop out. So I'm going to kind of work this at the walk for a bit to be sure he gets it. Okay, PD, ready? Let's go. Walk on. And so now we're walking, and he's doing great. And he's just walking on. And that's great. Okay, click. I, I clicked him. Because he kind of went into a nicer walk. He went into a little bit more energetic walk without looking like he's about to trot. I feel like he picked himself up a little bit and it looked more like a working walk. And I know my goal is to get to the center there, but I also, I, I just wanted to say, yes, that was a nice one. That's not necessarily my criteria as we build our duration. We'll get back to that. But if you're going to give it to me, I'm going to say thank you. So that was lovely. So we'll, we'll try that again. Okay, ready, walk on. Okay, so now as we're walking and we're walking along and he is walking nicely now and that's really good. I'm fading to the center and I'm gonna just step up my energy and my walk just a little bit. So as I fade to the center, I have to realize I'm now moving less. So I need to move more on my little circle. So I'm kind of going around in my circle and I want him to keep his energy bright without me not being right beside him. 
and this is great and he's going around and he's keeping his energy is still matching my energy from far away. So that is great. I'm going to click and run out and feed that. So that was really good. Now, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to see about the woe, which I think for Pete, <laughs> this won't, this will be a non-issue. But for most horses, it is an issue because my goey horses that I work with a lot, they have a tendency that the, the downward transition is harder because they're like, this is great. I love moving. So I have really established it really strongly at the, at the uh, other gates for, I mean, with walking with them for these horses. So there is a strong influence. They do have a strong reinforcement history of downward transition. So they think they're really important and very worthwhile. And pretty soon by now they actually like them. But sometimes when we get them too goey, they can be like, but this just feels great. So I'm going to work this exercise and I'm going to use, we're going to do it at the walk first because it's going to be setting the goey horse up for success. It's setting anybody up for success because I think Pete would drop down regardless. He'd be like, I'm good. But we are, we want to walk through it and make sure that I have it at the walk first. And if you need to, there is another vocabulary word I tend to use for my really goey horses. I will use the word easy when I'm downward transitioning a bit, but not not a full downward transition. I'm not going from trot to walk because then I would say walk, but I would say, or walk to hoe, but I'd say, okay, I'm going to slow it up a little bit. So if I have them going really bright trot and that's easy and I will slow down a bit. So they start to understand that word and you can use that word when you're going to the downward transition for a horse who's rather goey. So it gives them a clue that we're about to change and slow down. So it helps give them a little bit more information as they learn the new cues. Okay, so you may have a different issue than I'm going to have. I think I'm not going to have an issue with this, but you might. So that's just food for thought. Okay, Pete, let's go. Walk on. So we're walking and that he's doing great and he's doing good. His walk is picked up and he's got to a good place with it, which I quite like to see. And easy and ho. Oh. And perfect. Good. And I clicked. And so I'm running over to feed. One of the things I did there, as I said, ho, again, I dropped my hand and I squared up my shoulders. So instead of kind of walking on, I'm not really walking anymore. I am, I have faced him and it is, it, and so all my momentum slowed down and so did his. And he did do as I anticipated. He did quite nicely with that. So I still fed him on. He's kind of came into me. I still fed him straight because I would like him to hoe straight on that circle until he gets different information. My thinking on that is I want you to stick with what we're doing until we have new information. Now, remember earlier I clicked and that click terminated the behavior. So I didn't say, whoa, because the click told him, yes, you've just earned some sort of reward. Look to me for your reward. So I'm using the bridge is what we call a terminal bridge signal because it terminates the behavior. So I didn't need to use a hoe because he knows I'm going to check in with my human now. So that was uh, keep important. Keep in mind that that's how we're using it. So if you're thinking, but I didn't hear you say hoe, there's different ways I can get him to hoe at this point. Okay. So that was really good for him. So what I'm going to do now, this time I'm going to try the trot. Now, again, you may want to, 
little preface here, you may want to stick with the hose for a little bit. If you didn't get that really well or your horse is very goy, practicing it a few times is really a good plan. Pete is prone to it. So I don't feel like I need to practice, but you might want to stop for a moment and practice that a few times to get that good before, get that in place before you're going up to the trot. Okay. So I'm going to move on and go up to the trot. If you need to stop for a minute, you can, you can get back to me in a moment, but we're going to go up to the trot and ready, Pete. Okay. And trot. And so I'm trotting close to him right now. So I am trotting close to him right now. And then now I'm fading myself to the center a bit, but I'm keeping my trot kind of bright. Good. Clicked and I fed. So as I started fading to the center and I wasn't part of it, I could see him for a moment, look at me like he was kind of thinking, where are you going? And what should I do with it? And that's a point I thought he might drop down a little bit. So I'm feeding him a lot right now. And actually, I think I'm going to end it there with him. I think that was great. So as I could feel like he looked at me like, well, where are you going? And I felt like he made a decision. Am I going to trot or am I going to go? So what I did is he started looking at me. I went at a little brighter trot. So I'm further away, but I kind of lifted up my energy a little bit to remind him, no, keep going. The trotting is really important. Um, he went with that and that was great. And I saw him go, okay, and go back to trotting. So I love that decision, particularly from him, because that's, that's a little bit more of his issue. So I'm going to leave that there right now. And I'm going to just, I'm feeding him a bunch for that piece because uh, the upward transition is his challenging part. And I think that is good for now. So I am going to wrap it up. I'm going to give him his, I have a pan over, I have a pan in here in the center. So I'm setting it out on the um, little rubber, you know, feed tub, feed pan. And I'm feeding him his jackpot right then and there. So he knows that this is his jackpot. And I'm going to step out of the arena and give him a minute to eat because I put a bit in there. And then when he's done, I'm going to take him home and we're going to prepare for our homework. So I want you to wrap up. You, if remember, we don't want super long sessions. You may need to practice the different components a couple more times depending on your horse. So you work that out a little bit. When you're ready, you turn it off and go, go meet me back in the classroom and we'll get prepared for some homework. So we're going to get ready for some homework. Homework, of course, is very important. If you look at it, really, this was kind of an extension of our homework and knowing where do we go from here and how do we do it. So we're going to cover all that um, in just a moment. One of the things that we talk a lot about is feeding and what to feed. And sometimes as we go into doing this kind of this exercise, this reverse round pen is great for some of those horses that pack on the pounds a little too easily. But one of the things we need to keep in mind as we're working with food is not only the amount of exercise, but what kind of food are we working with? And utilizing a, a really smart food, I tend to use part of their food for the day. So I know that I'm working within their diet and I don't have a 1900 pound horse. <laughs> so I use the Cavalier feed. It's great. It is low in sugars. It is very natural feed. It's very minimally processed. It's, it's, 
it's made in a way that the horse can handle small, but it's just really a good product and it helps maintain them. And I found it helps with a lot of other issues too, actually. Some of the inflammation has gone away because there's so much less sugar in their diet. So it's been a great thing. But you know what also Cavalor does? They also have a lot of great uh, supplements that you can add to things. So if you have a horse who, or different feeds, you know, you, they have things to help quiet horses down or to help them, you know, different things that your horse may need. So let's learn a little bit about Cavalor and some of their great products. Cavalor is a horse feed supplement and care product company that was founded in Belgium 30 years ago, and they have been producing feed for the U.S. market since 2012. Its nutrition is based in the way horses are meant to eat. Cavalor's philosophy is based around mimicking the horse's natural diet and how they would eat in the wild, while recognizing that the demands we put on them today are different than wild horses of long ago. One of the things I love about Cavalor is that their products are natural, backed by research and science, and are proven to be effective. That's why Cavalor was a feat of choice for over 100 riders in the most recent World Equestrian Games, for riders in every discipline and from countries around the world. Not only do they make feed, but they also have a complete line of supplements and care products. If you've struggled with any kind of nutritional issue with your horse, you know that all products don't really work as advertised. So that's why Cavalier is unique. Their products don't make it to the market until they have been proven effective in making noticeable differences in the issue a horse is facing. A lot of times we have behavioral issues with horses, but a lot of these issues actually have a nutritional root. With the positive reinforcement or clicker training, we strive to help the horses to be truly happy. To me, part of that, that philosophy well, really a big part of that philosophy includes making sure I'm doing everything I can to ensure their emotional as well as physical well-being. There's no denying that a good diet is a huge factor in that equation. The best part of Cavalar's team is, it, is that they're so easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page and a real live person will call you back to personally talk you through your horse's nutrition. Learn more about the products at www. Cavalor.us or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalor North America. You'll be glad you did. All righty. So now there is clearly a lot, a lot, a lot more we can do with the reverse round pen. We've just worked on these basic little pieces to get us going and to get start to get our horses in shape and get them balanced and first start learning the concepts. But then as we go, we're going to need to build more duration with that and get them where they can be, continue with that and choose to continue with that. That's your challenge, folks. These horses can go do whatever they want out there. You know, we're not chasing them. They're choosing to be there. So if we start getting too much, uh, too much stopping, quitting, not wanting to do it, it means we're not really going slow enough or our rate of reinforcement isn't high enough so, or our sessions are too long. So we need to get them. And also another thing we can really be doing for our horses that we may not be aware of, if they're not fit and we start asking them to do a lot and they give us that, they can come back sore. You know, think about, I remember going to the gym one time and the gal, I go to the gym and I'm like, okay, personal trainer, help me. I'm ready. It's my first day. And she has me doing so many doggone exercises that just killed my, my legs. I mean, I couldn't walk up a step without 
crumbling. I mean, it was just ridiculous how sore I was. And it, I mean, I was just weakened. And that wasn't really the best way to go because one, that ended up being very aversive for me for the next few days as I struggled to move everywhere I went. And I was so really overtired and too sore and too much too soon that it it really soured me to it. And I didn't go back to that person. So I think that's something that was a great lesson for me to realize that our horses also aren't really in shape. Moving differently, moving, you know, in a balanced way can be really hard for the horses and learning to use themselves and carry themselves and get a little brighter. All of those pieces take a new set of muscles. So if a horse is really out of shape, you know, you know, if you take somebody's really out of shape, say trot to the mailbox, that may just be too much, you know, or that could have been all they'd done. So we need to really recognize that and not think this is ridiculous. You're out of shape. I'm going to, I'm going to whoop you into shape. We need to help them learn how to like it and enjoy it and build up their stamina and build up the muscles that they're going to need to be able to do more and more and more. So obviously that takes a lot of repetition, but one of the things I want to point out, it doesn't really the best repetition for building duration means short sessions with the breaks in between. And not give them when you're talking about muscles, think about our muscles. They need time for lactic acid to, you know, they need to rebuild. They need days off. They need time to build on that. So our horses are not any different. We need to really give them the time to do it. So it doesn't mean going out and drilling them because if you drill them, they will come back and say, I hate this arena with that thing in it. You know, we want to build it up slow enough that we really can keep them getting in shape and building up a little bit more and a little bit more. So a great way to do things is not just, again, I'm going to really just reiterate that because this can be a relative concept. It's not going on where we're drilling and doing over and over and over and over and over and over or 15 times within one thing, within one session. But maybe you do a little bit, just a little bit. And you think that was a little bit more than yesterday. You give them a little break and do something else for a bit that doesn't require much physical, you know, you work on lifting their legs or, you know, going to their stationary target. And then you come back and do a little bit more. So it is, you're building up slowly, but you're giving them that little break in between so that they don't become soured to this whole process. We can get them in shape and in time they will like and go and go and go and go and we'll have the stamina and the muscles to support that. But we got to go really slow and kind of respect that. You know, this is some of, one of the things sometimes people say, yeah, it was great. It's the first day of spring. I got on my horse who I haven't ridden since November. And, um, and we went for a two hour, you know, ride up the hill. You know, and I, I think, well, if somebody just piled a backpack on you and made you climb a hill for two hours when you haven't done anything since November, that might be really hard. So trying to really recognize that, respect that that's, is more challenging than we think. And the biggest thing I think that people kind of forget and take for granted is when we start to get our horse, we're really trying to work on collection and moving forward and using themselves well. Well, that takes if they haven't gone like that to get to start reaching under themselves and lifting their back and lowering their head and all those pieces that start to you get that back end kind of going and locomotive, it, it takes a long 
long time for those muscles to truly develop where they can sustain that. So as we get them going first, and then we're going to start shaping the pieces that we want. So in this homework, what I would like it to see you doing is one, get it to where you can be more in the circle or more, your circle is much smaller and you can make it very small. But, but I think when we start to add in canter and stuff, we need enough of a circle that our energy can, uh, communicate to them what we're doing. Eventually we could just stand in the center and do it and say walk, trot, canter, and we can just stand there and they go. But as we're kind of transitioning, get to where the smaller, the circle is smaller so we can also sustain it and then uh, get that going first. That should be your first criteria is get them going and understanding the cues and be able to go and go around for a few times. Their transitions are good. They can hold it for a bit and that's great. But the next piece we really start to be, or what you start watching for as they go, start watching them starting to fix their, how they go a little bit more so that, you know, when you have those nice transitions, recognize that and that tells you something. If it's smoother and nicer, it means it's not so hard that I'm to heave, heave themselves up into the trot. They can actually just pick it up with their bodies easier. So look for those pieces there. You can reinforce those pieces, but it's also information to tell you how they're doing. But as you start doing that, you start seeing it. Okay. Maybe your horse is a little high head, hollow back. That that's not ideal, but you've got, you've got them going first and said, we're going, we're going. And then you see your horse reach down a little bit and you can start to go, well, that's better. Down is, that can be your next criteria. You know, where you, Hey, Excuse me. <laughs> but um, so that can be your next criteria where you start to say, okay, I want your head down a little bit, but not so down so far that it's too heavy on the hind end, but then on the front end. But then what you tend to start seeing is when they do that, you start to see that their, their back kind of lifts a little bit and their hind end comes under a little bit. You start clicking those pieces and saying, that's a little bit better. And that's a little bit better. And that's a little bit better. And pretty soon your criteria is looking for the horse to be using himself more correctly as he goes forward. So I think that that is an important component. And that should be where we're shaping and going towards. And that that is when we're preparing them for ridden work. But what it's really working on is balance. And what becomes the biggest kind of contender in the ridden work, now they have another thing to balance up there. They have this thing sitting on them that, that, that may or may not be balanced. So helping them get their own balance is really an important part of it as it strengthens the muscles and shows them how to go to determine their, to determine their balance without the human involved. So I think that that is really important and taking it in that general direction is where I really want you to go next. We are going to come back to this and we are going to say, we're going to talk about in a later lesson, because I want you to work on this for a while. And so I'm not going to give you the lesson right yet. I, we're going to do it later, but I want you to work on these components because there's a lot of homework that can pile. It's like a semester's worth of homework that you can work on really for, for getting them ready for the, the person. There's a lot of pieces to get strong and strengthen and getting your horse to go as you like and seeing him get more balanced in, in doing that. And then we're going to go to how do you incorporate a rider in this? And then how do you go from there? But we're not doing it yet because I want you, I encourage you to work on it a bit and not jump ahead before you've had time to give your horse time. Okay. So that is your homework for today. So it's uh, or for for a while because there's a lot of pieces to that homework and it can be a lot of fun for your horse and a great way to get exercise out 
and uh, and going in. We're right now. If you're listening to it while this is first being aired, this is this is going to be getting colder, which is going to be easier for your horse to go in these those slow horse to go. So it's actually we're going into a great season for the horse who's not very forward moving. But it's going to be a more challenging season for the horses who have a lot of energy. But then it's a great time to work on our impulse control. And it's a great way to kind of get exercise through the winter if perhaps you don't have a setup where you can ride through the winter. So, or you have feet that get too cold. <laughs> so there you go. All righty. Uh, now, you can listen on most of your favorite podcast players. You can listen to this podcast. You can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app. Uh, and you can find that for your Android or your iOS. So either one, Apple, Android, whatever you got, you can find that app. Uh, just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and it's easy to use. I think most of us know how easy the apps are to find things like podcasts because otherwise it can be a little challenging sometimes. <laughs> a lot of steps. So be sure to visit all of the great shows on Horse Radio Network at www horseradionetwork.com. It is, as we know, podcasts are great because you can listen to them while you're doing other things. But there's also on the Horse Radio Network, there's all kinds of fun things to listen to. Anyway, and if you want to learn more about me, as I said, you can go to uh, on-target-training.com and learn more about me. You can also learn a lot more about me and my schedule and what I'm up to on the TerraNovaTrainingCenter.com. So that's T-E-R-R-A-N-O-V-A Training Center. <laughs> so TerraNovaTrainingCenter.com. And that center with not the British way, it's C-E-N-T-E-R. So you can find out what we're up to, uh, what's new and happening here, and, and my schedule is posted on there. And also, if you haven't done it, you can sign up for the uh, our, our newsletter. That also will keep you apprised of all the kind of neato things we have happening in our world. So that's it for today. I hope that you enjoyed it and you have given you a lot to think about and things to work on with your horse. So until next time, enjoy getting your horse on target. <laughs>